Welcome to the podcast. It's Monday, July 25th, 2022. So this week, on our Sunday review, we're going to be talking back to the Sunday Talking Heads on CBS Face the Nation, where Maggie Brennan interviews alleged Republican and mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, who says the impact of climate change is not theoretical, it's real, but man-made climate change is a theory and is yet to be proven. We'll also be checking in with Sunday Morning Propaganda at our favorite feel-good feature news program, CBS Sunday Morning, where film director Adam McKay, whose recent movie, Don't Look Up, about a comet colliding with Earth, a propagandistic metaphor for climate, Armageddon, insists on the notion that climate change is anthropogenic. Also going to be tearing into the Sunday New York Times today, where their Sunday opinion section is entitled, I Was Wrong About Inflation by Paul Krugman, Capitalism by David Brooks, and I Was Wrong About Trump Voters by Brett Stevens. First, we're going to go back to school and revisit Climate Gate. So, this is from Climate Depot. This is an article Climate Gate 2 Anniversary. And this is from 2021. So, if you don't know what Climate Gate is, this was another follow up. How did the global warming scam survive Climate Gate in 2009? A whistleblower released emails showing how Climate Gate or Climate Academia was manipulating and destroying data and blocking publication of articles which didn't support their anthropogenic global warming agenda. Our hopelessly compromised scientific establishment cannot be allowed to get away with a Climate Gate whitewash, wrote a reporter. Christopher Booker for The Telegraph in 2009. What is ClimateGate? Well, this is from Wikipedia. The climate research email controversy, also known as ClimateGate, began in November 2009 with the hacking of a server of the Climate Research Unit at the University of East Anglia by an external attacker copying thousands of emails and computer files to various internet locations several weeks before the Copenhagen Summit on Climate Change. The story was first broken by climate, ja- climate change denialists 
who argue that the emails showed that global warming was a scientific conspiracy, who argued, and that the scientists manipulated climate data and attempted to suppress critics, the CRU rejected this, saying that the emails have been taken out of context. Fact check, which we'll get to in just a minute, .org confirmed that climate change deniers misrepresented the context of the email's columnist. James Dellingpole popularized the term climate gate to, to describe the controversy. Well, that's it. But the fact is, they didn't dispel or debunk climate change or a climate gate. This is from Forbes, climate gate 2.0, new emails rock the global warming debate by James Taylor. A new batch, and this is an article from uh, 2011, a new batch of 5,000 emails among scientists central to the assertion that humans are causing global warming crisis were anonymously released to the public yesterday, igniting a new firestorm of controversy nearly two decades to the day after the similar emails ignited the climate gate scandal. Three themes are emerging from the newly released emails. Prominent scientists central to the global warming debate are taking measures to conceal rather than disseminate underlying data and discussions. These scientists view global warming as a political cause rather than a balanced scientific inquiry. And three, many of these scientists frankly admit to each other that much of the science is weak and dependent on deliberate manipulation of, of facts and data. And this is from Forbes. And this is following the 2009. Now, if we go to factcheck.org, hacked emails, climate scientists in a bad light, but don't change scientific consensus on global warming. And they go over what happened. The messages which span 13 years show a few scientists in bad light being rude or dismissive. An investigation is underway. And fact check says, skeptics claim this trove of emails shows the scientists at the UK Research Center were engaging in evidence tampering and they are portraying the affair as major scandal, climate change, Saudi Arabia, blah, blah, blah. Uh, missing the mark. We, we at factcheck.org find such claims to be far wide of the mark. The emails do show a few scientists talking frankly among themselves, sometimes being rude, dismissive, insular, and even behaving like jerks. You know, all they do is come to the defense of the climate change argument. And I beg people... Less than 3% of you people read books. ...to re go to this reading recommendation. ClimateGate, a veteran meteorologist, exposes the global warming scam. This is from 2010. And this is even before to the 2011 release. Now, people that don't do their research, and I hate to use that phrase, but I must, is that people don't look it, they just take the talking head's word for something. Now, those of us who have looked into these sorts of things understand that there is no evidence to, to tie specifically carbon dioxide with any climate change. So, which is my problem. I mean, you could be against pollution, I'm against pollution, pumping stuff into the atmosphere, but carbon dioxide is a naturally occurring gas. So I have a problem with that and limiting carbon uh, seems to be nefarious. Now, the description of this book is now, those now notorious intercepted emails documenting leading scientists conspiring to squelch global warming skeptics and falsifying data Proved exactly what Brian Sussman has been saying for years. ClimateGate is intended for anyone who has ever expressed skepticism about the clamorous environmentalist claims. 
that the earth is in peril because of mankind's appetite for carbon-based fuels by tracing the origins of uh, current climate scare, Sussman guides the reader from the bio, uh, diabolical minds of Marx and Engels in the 1800s to the global governance machinations of the United Nations today. Climate gate is a call to action, warning Americans that their future is being undermined by a phony pseudoscience aimed at altering and dominating every aspect of life in the United States and the world. And the problem is, obviously, is limiting carbon and particularly fossil fuels, which provide cheap energy. Um, and cheap energy is the reason that society and civilization can progress even if you make energy available to people without means, this indeed is uh, the cause, is you need to provide cheap energy uh, to the masses. And by limiting fossil fuels, you're going to take all that away, put uh, energy or power into the hands of a select few, the elite, and the rest of us uh, won't even be allowed to use combustion engines or... Uh, combustionable materials at all. And they, they, they're talking about limiting wood fires and stuff like that as well in the future. So we're going to tear right into the New York Times. Uh, I'm going to start with the magazine's uh, cover story, um, which is how Stop the Steal captured the American right. The movement is uh, to reinstate President Trump has gone far behind beyond him and now threatens the future of American elections. The reality of this article, which was so lengthy, and it went through all the, the tropes of, uh, of, of Trump and Trump supporters and what have you, this article by Charles Homans goes on uh, disparagingly about Trump supporters, uh, dismissive of any election uh, uh, claims of election malfeasance in the 2020 election, when to most of us, it seems apparent that Joe Biden couldn't win and didn't win. And then, uh, particularly with me, the stop of the stopping the vote count, particularly in Georgia with the claims of a water main break when there was no such water main break. And then all the swing states subsequently followed by stopping their counting. And when counting resumed, miraculously, Joe Biden wins. So this article, I don't, I'm not even going to go through uh, uh, many. Uh, they paint um, they paint all Trump supporters as these uh, crazy conspiracy theorists. This is a republic, Mastriano declared. Uh, a state senator, Douglas Mastriano of Pennsylvania. This is a republic, Mastriano declared from the top of the Capitol Terrace overlook over a public address system. I know the Democrats want to play a game with our republic. They keep calling it a democracy and to the democracy for which it stands. He recited mockingly, come on, really? Come on, man. Behind him, someone waved a large American America first flag. Another rally go held up a sign, Mastriano's own slogan, walk as a free people. And so they paint everybody that's calling for liberty and constitution and politicians living up to their oath to the, uh, defend the constitution as some sort of crazy fringe and the fact that these people, they want the liberty guaranteed to them in the Constitution, but the article never talks about liberty and about freedom and corrupt establishment and the uh, global globalism and economic isolationism, all the things that 
Um, they talk about the Tea Party uh, evolving and become the American First Movement, and really the Tea Party is slowly it's uh, slowly taken over the GOP because uh, middle America and the middle class need a party. And since the Democratic Party has abandoned the middle class, uh, the middle class, uh, especially the conservative middle class, is trying to take over the GOP um, with some disdain for corporate power. None of this was addressed in that article. It's a lengthy article. You could go through it. It's all the same tropes about Trump supporters and and how they're crazy and they they're, they feel put upon because they don't want you know immigrants and you know they they feel threatened by a changing America. Um, it's not that. It's uh, most people just want the laws that they voted for that the, their representatives voted for to be enforced, particularly in the case of immigration. There are obviously other issues. I mean, they talked about Islamophobia, Islamophobia and all that. People are fearful of changing America and immigrants were afraid of gays and gay marriage and all. And, and that's just not the case. Sure, there's a religious component to opposing gay marriage uh, because it's in Leviticus, but, um, but they don't understand all that. They break it down as these people are some, you know, rubes and they're misguided and they don't understand that changing America is good for everybody, which, which it won't be. So moving right along, um, the next article up from the Sunday Times is on the docket, Atlanta versus Trump world, 18 months into a criminal investigation of election interference by Donald Trump and his allies, a Georgia prosecutor is beginning to show the broad contours of inquiry. This is nothing more than keeping Trump out of a 2024 run. What they do is it, it talks about in this article by Richard Fawcett and Danny Hakeem, the, the lead goes off as the criminal investigation into efforts by President Donald Trump and his allies to overturn the election loss in, in Georgia has begun to entangle in another way uh, or another um, an expanding assemblage of characters. Um, basically, Fannie T. Willis, the Atlanta area district attorney, has been leading the investigation since early last year, but it is only this month with a flurry of subpoenas and target letters as well as court documents that illuminate some of the closed proceedings of the special grand jury that the inquiry sprawling contours have had. And it goes off that make her some sort of hero. Look, they have a portrait of here uh, going after Trump and his claims of, you know, or what the, the, the way they're painting it now is they're trying to overturn the election, even though that Trump rightfully won. They're not trying to overturn the election. They're trying to uphold the election and trying to investigate any malfeasance that might have occurred. I watched 2000 Mules over the weekend. Again, we already knew what was in there, but it's just another issue that needs to be investigated because it's not the ballot boxes themselves. It's ballot harvesting and ballot boxes. So what this is, is let's throw, let's throw everything at Trump and see what sticks because they need something to stick to disqualify him because if he gets indicted, that's going to ruin his chances at a run. But if he gets convicted, that's going to bar him from re-election. So that's what they're trying to do. So they're, she's trying to investigate everything. They're going to make it look bad at the very least and um, hoping that they get an indictment and a conviction because then he can't run. So they need to do it now before 2024. In another article, the same thing. In January 6 hearings, gender divide has been strong undercurrent. And so they try to paint Trump supporters or um, election 
uh, people wanting to look into election malfeasance. In January 6, hearings, gender divide has been strong undercover investigation that has, re has revealed grave threats to democracy. Again, democracy, but like Mastriani said, we're a democratic republic. So we're a republic first that is a democracy. So they keep talking about democracy, and it's not a democracy because we have a constitution. And the, the democracy cannot overturn the constitution. Or if they want to add amendments, it's a difficult process to do so. So an investigation that has revealed grave threats to democracy plotted and carried out mostly by men has, heavily, has a heavily female cast of narrators who have paid a public price for speaking out. Now, all these, you look at these people, they're all nice-looking young women that this is all arranged. Everything, everything with the establishment is a construct. They have to construct everything because if they construct things, they have a better chance of success. So they get these actresses to stand up and say, oh, look at these pretty young women. They certainly couldn't be lying. And this article written by women Annie Carney and Maggie Haberman. Oh, Maggie Haberman, I won't even get into, but, and they start with their lead. Before Sarah Matthews, a former deputy White House press secretary, even opened her mouth to testify on Thursday before the select committee investigating January 6th assault on the Capitol, the House Republican Conference attacked her on Twitter as a liar, a pawn of Democrats. I is she lying? We don't know. But they stick up for her. The group didn't mention that the man seated beside her, Matthew Pottinger, the former Deputy National Security Advisor, who was also there to issue a scathing indictment of Donald Trump's behavior on that day of the riot, nor did Mr. Trump himself mention Mr. Pottinger when he lashed out hours later at a statement calling Mrs. Matthews a fame seeker who clearly lied. Um, yeah, so they're trying to make this sexist argument. Obviously, not. Uh, it's not... It's not based in reality. They put these young female people up to testify so they can then write this article and say, oh, see, they're sexist. They don't like young, strong women take, uh, tell, you know, speaking truth to power. The contrast highlight, highlighted how in a series of revelatory hearings that have focused on issues of democracy, the rule of law, and peaceful transfer of power, another less discussed theme was has emerged, the gender dynamics that have a potent undercurrent. Um, in the course of exposing Mr. Trump's elaborate effort to overturn the election, none of this goes, uh, and they never talk about corruption. And that's why they had to bury the Hunter Biden laptop, because at the, at the height and at the heart of all this is corruption. Everyone knew the system was corrupt. And like Donald Trump said in his debate with Joe Biden, the last debate, they cheat. They cheat. And all they do is construct things. And you could look at 2000 Mules if you want. But my problem uh, started back in 2016 with a Jill Stein recount. And every state where they were recounting in, Trump gained tens of thousands of votes, which were stolen from him. And so they realized that the cheat didn't work in 2016, so they had to put it on steroids for 2020, and they needed COVID to provide the cover to conduct all this malfeasance. Now, you can put the pieces together if you wish, or you could ignore them. In the new opinion section of the New York Times, which used to be called the Sunday Review, but is now called Sunday Opinion, 
it's all about how I was wrong, how I was wrong on capitalism, how I was wrong about Mitt Romney, how I was wrong about Trump voters, and that's the one we're going to look into today in this um, opinion piece by Brett Stevens. I was wrong about Trump voters. So Brett Stevens writes, the worst line I ever wrote as a pundit, yes, I know it's a crowded field, was the first time I ever wrote about the man who would become the 45th president. If by now you don't find Donald Trump appalling, you're appalling, which is very, like my brother said to me, whoever voted for Trump is an idiot. And you get this all over the place. And you got it from Hillary Clinton, the, the box or bag of deplorable, basket of deplorables. Um, and it's trying to browbeat you and make you feel bad so you won't support um, some sort of economic isolationist policy that would be detrimental to the elite. And so this populist revival uh, around liberty, uh, particularly in America First policy, is kind of a, a drawing back uh, from globalism, which obviously was detrimental to America and uh, America's bottom line and GDP and uh, jobs and the benefits for the middle class and what have you, manufacturing. So he goes on to write the opening salvo from August 2015 was the first that it would become dozens of columns denouncing Trump as a unique threat to American life, democratic ideals, and the world itself. I regret almost nothing of what I said about the man and his close minions, but the broad swipe at his voters caricatured them as and blinkered me. Uh, he was wrong because there are plenty of people that aren't hayseeds, rubes, people that don't know anything about politics and were just following Trump um, as a cult of personality. And I'm not saying that the, those people don't exist, but there are people like me and there are plenty of Obama voters that voted for Trump. But again, he doesn't talk at all about people's um, indignation and disgust with the current political state, which was rife with corruption and that people were getting paid as they sold out the American ideal. And that, and he admits now that that was a problem because when you start um, debasing or deriding uh, American citizens, they take offense at that. And as he, state, as he states in the article, they dig their heels in and go, fine, um, we're going to be behind Trump even more because of liberal New York Times writing things like, that ought to have been the first question to ask myself. When I looked at Trump, I saw a bigoted blowhard making one ignorant argument after another. What Trump supporters saw was a candidate whose entire being was proudly raised a middle finger at the self-satisfied elite that produced the failing status quo. Indeed. The self-satisfied, he should have put corrupt in there, elite. And of course he saw him as bigoted, even though there's no evidence of bigoted, because you don't want to open your border to unchecked illegal immigration. That doesn't make you bigoted. That's what I don't understand is that these are educated people and they're either complicit or they're ignorant. You're either malicious or you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because the fact is, is that these people are educated. They don't understand that letting in millions of illegal immigrants is against the law. 
and it's counterproductive to the welfare of the United States. I'm not against immigration. I'm just against unchecked illegal immigration where millions cross every year. That could be detrimental to the society and the safety net which this country provides. So we're going to move right along to um, the talking heads here. First up, we got the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, who is an alleged Republican, but he goes off on climate. Now, the Republicans, the GOP, or the new Republicans, are obviously um, not behind this, and they should be skeptical about climate change because it is a globalist scheme, not just for the United States, but to shut down cheap energy everywhere except for China. So people should look at it in that context about stifling cheap energy um, and a war on carbon, where carbon-based life forms, we exhale carbon dioxide um, I'm not going to start paying taxes for carbon emissions or carbon footprints or anything like that. So you can judge Suarez. Dave Rubin said he's a good mayor. Um, I know what mayors are like. I know what heads of cities and heads of states are like. They want money. So whatever gets them millions of dollars, and in this case, tens of millions and even billions of dollars to Miami, he's going to support it. So again, greed leads to corruption. Who knows where most of that money goes? I'm not saying anything uh, corrupt about Suarez, but let's listen to what he has to say about climate change. Monkeypox right now. Now to Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. He is a Republican. <clears throat> you know, in this 2,000-page report the UN put out earlier in the year, it refers to Florida as an example of a place where the impacts of climate change... Events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food and, and the basis of the plan is to spend hundreds of millions of dollars that were voter approved. Those actually a voter approved tax and combine them with other funding sources like the state and yeah. federal government uh, to be able to to to, to uh, upgrade our infrastructure to deal with uh, all the things that are being thrown our way from Mother Nature. Well, what we're seeing at the national level is that the only uh, action that is uh, occurring is, is action that's taken in a bipartisan basis. Uh, the Democrats, unfortunately, have failed what? Uh, to be able to pass uh, bills uh, to address climate uh, at any sort of scale. So uh, the infrastructure well, they don't bill, have any Republican votes. They also don't have all Democrats on board, but it would right. help if they had Republican votes. That's not funny! The, you know, the $1.2 trillion infrastructure mm -hmm. bill with, with Republican votes. Uh, and we still haven't seen uh, any funding from that bill, by the way. What? But we still have not seen a penny of that money uh, trickle down, uh, percolate down to the cities. And we need it because, as I've said, we've dedicated a couple of hundred million dollars. Yeah. We've gotten about 30 or 40 million from the state. Uh, but we need significantly more than that, as you've uh, indicated in your initial comment. What? There was this $2 trillion American rescue plan that passed back in the spring. Uh, Republican Governor DeSantis allocated over $400 million to help coastal communities in Florida. How much more do you need exactly? 
uh, it's coming in two tranches, 950 billion last year, 950 billion this year. What? Um, and we have allocated it uh, effectively. Uh, and we are trying to leverage the money that we have uh, to do things like, uh, you know, uh, increasing our seawalls, uh, uh, valves, tidal valves that prevent the backflow of water into our city uh, mm -hmm. during uh, during storm events, uh, pump stations, uh, which we have uh, built more and more and, and, and are planning to build uh, significantly more. Um, you are a registered Republican. <clears throat> um, and I wonder what you think that says about Ron DeSantis's executive leadership in a time of crisis. Um, you know, so does he talk uh, to you know, now? He, does he talk to the mayor of the second largest city in the state? The state uh, did give us about $40 million that we combined with the $200 million, and we did a press conference together mm -hmm. uh, in Broward County. So on, on the environment, I have to say, uh, his record uh, over the last four years, including the legislature's record, uh, has been very much pro-environment. What about on issues of health? I mean, when it comes to COVID, Florida's response has been heavily scrutinized. Monkeypox right now. Uh, Florida has the third highest case count of any state in the country. Are you in Miami getting the vaccine you ah! need? Are you getting the testing you need? Monkeypox right now. I am not aware of any shortages in vaccines or testing. I certainly will work with the federal government to make sure uh, that our city is protected and that those here get the necessary testing and vaccination. Monkeypox right now. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> All he wants is money, billions of dollars, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars to build seawalls and pumping station, pumping stations. Is that right? I mean, that's come on, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just, it's ridiculous. And so the climate change argument goes on even further. Um, and as we started with climate gate. The key to ClimateGate is, is the emails said that they were falsifying data and that they were using data from malfunctioning sensors in the ocean to put out this tale of the sea is going to rise and the and now they're using weather, specifically the latest heat wave, like there have been heat waves before. The heat wave is a sign of global warming. Fires, uh, forest fires, a sign of global warming. Hurricanes, a sign of global warming. You know, everything, drought, famine, it's all global warming uh, because they never have to prove it. The fact is they can't prove it. They can't prove global climate change. The climate changes is connected to the abundance of CO2. Right? I don't like pollution either. I don't like uh, the environment being degraded, but you got to show me proof that somehow CO2 emissions is causing this because the CO2 gets higher. You can't blame all these weather effects on whether it's CO2 or not. My personal opinion is, and this is the theory I heard, is that during experiments, um, weather experiments uh, in conjunction with HARP, that the United States government or subsidiaries thereof shot plasma beams into the atmosphere trying to change the direction of the jet stream and they ended up burning a hole in the ozone. And that's why we are having some issues. And you can actually see the hole in the ozone, but I'm not gonna go into that any further. Let's hear more climate alarmism from the director of this <laughs> stupid, stupid movie, Don't Look Up, which all the actors jumped on board with.
because they use it as a metaphor. They use it as propaganda metaphor for climate Armageddon. So let's listen to this um, opinion from Sunday morning. We're trying to tell you that the entire planet is about to be destroyed. It's hot out in all sorts of places all around the world. We have thoughts on the climate crisis from the man behind the recent movie, Don't Look Up, Academy Award-winning director, Adam McKay. This past week around the planet, we've seen the highest temperature ever recorded in the UK, catastrophic heat and fires in Spain, Portugal, France, Morocco, China, uh, large swaths of the US, not to mention the tail end of near biblical unprecedented flooding, which means that while we always knew that man-made carbon emissions cause global warming, what this should be extremely alarming to everyone. Heat events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food shortages, and mega drought. Heat events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food shortages, and mega drought. Heat events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food shortages, and mega drought. Heat events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food shortages, and mega drought. Heat events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food shortages, and mega drought. Heat events, flooding, fires, storms, blackouts, food shortages, and mega drought. And after this week, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or whatever, what? Remember, we have the science. As is now very clear after this week, we will lose everything much, much faster than we ever thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, you use the media to create a crisis. You point to every heat wave and every hurricane and every drought and this and that, and you point to it and you say, climate change. Um, it's not realistic. It's just not realistic and there's no evidence. So you show us some hard evidence and uh, maybe I'll buy into your carbon emissions, but it seems like you just want to restrict uh, carbon combustion. And um, that would be an end uh, to the civilized world for most people. All right, so coming up this week, uh, I'm going to have a reoccurring guest, guy from Florida, longtime conservative, a Messianic Jew. So we're going to talk about the Messiah a little bit and uh, his road to conservatism. We'll talk about my road to conservatism and much more. So join me tomorrow and all this week, Rudy's Revelation. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. And follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Get her a minds. See you tomorrow.